Welcome to the River of Suck podcast episode two of season two. Nice. Which makes it episode 13? No. <laughs> 14. 14. Episode 14. Awesome. Congratulations, man. This thing's going great. I swear I'm a real podcaster. You are. <laughs> what do you think the number is the when number, you're official? I looked it up, and most people don't make it past six episodes. Oh, wow. Like, the majority of podcasts that get started don't make it past six. So you are. You're official. I think this is officially a podcast now. I have stickers. Right on. In fact, if you send me a message, maybe on Facebook, River of Suck Podcast, I will mail you a sticker. There it is. Just free swag, just like that. You gotta ask for it though. Otherwise I can't mail it to you. <laughs> <laughs> Getting stickers is actually maybe the, the moment though. When uh, my first band got stickers, that's when I felt like I was in a real band, you know? When I yeah. saw people like rolling around with our <laughs> with our sticker on their case, I was like, Yeah, we're legit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Our special guest today is Johnny Miller. You've got an interesting story. I mean, you're electricianing. If I have a bag of tools, I can always make money. Nice. But yes. you're also mandolining yes. and guitaring and singing. And songwriting. And songwriting. Yes. And you are getting paid for all of that. I am getting paid for all that. Yeah, I think right now music probably is like 55, 60% of my income. Yeah. So I've like really been slowly working towards making it my number one source of income it's really cool now that it's kind of crossed the threshold of being you know the majority of my income sure but yeah that's where i'm at so at what point did you start playing music that was uh, something that started when i was a kid with my mom also kind of a church thing as i was growing up they would have special music my mom would get these track tapes special music special music <laughs> so you would have like the the songs that everybody sang out of the hymnal yeah right and then you would have special music and that was a performance i would always just kind of sing around the house and my mom always wanted to sing with me so what she did was she got these track tapes and you would have a performance with vocals and a full band on one side and then on the other side they would just take the vocals out of the mix and, oh, cool. Uh, yeah, it was great. And so we would practice them at the house and we would sing harmonies and trade off verses and um, start singing. I was probably like five or six when I started doing that. Oh, cool. So music is deep in your blood. It, yeah. Singing for sure. And music, yes. My mom always had music playing and she was always singing. And I kind of picked up on that quite a bit. I got a guitar, really enjoyed it, got a better guitar, and then I got a teacher. And I started really kind of working at it. And my guitar teacher at the time turned me on to Tony Rice. Cool. And that was like, <laughs> kind of changed my whole world. Right. There's life before and after Tony Rice? <laughs> kind of, yeah. <laughs> so I got really, really into bluegrass. And nobody else that I was hanging out with at that point in my life really even knew what it was. Hmm. People knew of like Alison Krauss, and that was kind of always the, or like, oh, brother, where art thou? Yeah. You know? George Clooney grass. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> People know George Clooney. I was always looking for something else musically. Well, know? it's almost like once you start looking for it, it's everywhere. Right, right. 
I really started getting into it and it got to the point where I didn't want to listen to anything else and that like started to cause like a little bit of friction uh, in my relationship. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, oh wow. Because okay. it was like we were on such That's not opposite spectrums. That's not real music. <laughs> right. I got so snobby about it even though I'd only <laughs> known about it for six months. <laughs> uh, I got really into it. Started like messing around with writing a little bit and just kind of went down. I, you know, I found Ricky Skaggs and but I was listening to Old Crow Medicine Show, Allison Krauss, Union Station, Old Crow more for the songs, uh, yeah. the OCMS album and that that kind of garage band feel. I kind of liked that it had this uh, crust around the edges, you know, this like. Oh, yeah. It, it sounded like they recorded it in their garage, but it was amazing. Sure. Yeah. So that album blew my mind uh, at that time. A couple years later, I, I ended up going through a divorce. I just poured everything in to bluegrass. Wow. I went to my first Telluride Bluegrass Festival in 2009, and I saw the Steel Drivers play with Chris Stapleton at the front. Oh, wow. At Telluride. I had always kind of leaned towards soul singing, and when I heard a soul singer in a bluegrass band, I flipped out. <laughs> and those two records, the self-titled, The Reckless Side of Me, I believe is the other one. Those are still two of my most formative records as a as a listener and a musician. Because to me, hearing that soul singer at the front of a with a bluegrass sound brought two of my favorite things together and it made me think, well, now all I gotta do is learn how to play an instrument, you know? And oh yeah. So that's when I really started digging into kind of strumming and playing. It wasn't until later that I found the mandolin and really enjoyed that. You're commonly seen around playing the mandolin. Yeah. You're getting paid for playing the mandolin. Yes, sir. So how long have you been playing it? I got my first mandolin in, it was 2010. I got my first mandolin. Wow, yeah. So I've been playing for nine years. Yep. That's not that long compared to a lot of other people who are playing gigs and stuff and in bands. So Yeah, I feel that all the time. <laughs> you know? I feel very behind often, you know, musically. Right, but you're doing it. I mean, I think a lot of what holds some people back is when they feel like they're behind that they shouldn't participate. So I Oh yeah. So like how did you jump in there? You know, if you feel like you're behind, that's cool. Go practice. But yeah, you kind of got to get in there. Like what happened with the mandolin? The way I got in there was I got a really good teacher who's still around. Nick Amadeo. Oh, cool. Was my first mandolin teacher. Oh, wow. He gave me like all the tools to learn the instrument and kind of start learning how to do stuff by myself. Cool. So I basically I found a jam and I would go to this jam once a month (laughs) i knew i could sing so i would come every month i would come with like a new song that i could sing so i could lead one right and then when it came to just playing mandolin i would just kind of chill in the back (laughs) and let everybody else play yeah and i would work on my rhythm playing and quietly work out scales and stuff you know whatever i could kind of get my fingers to do at that time right i mean there's some people probably right now in a bluegrass jam in Denver 
doing, yeah, oh, the, sa- doing the same thing. What day is it? Like Wednesday? this exact moment. Yeah, it's at Bear. Yeah. Bear Brewing in Denver. The future musicians are happening right now. Yeah. Something about the bluegrass pick situation, it's very welcoming to different levels and abilities. Sure, yeah. That's what I loved about it. It was the communal aspect that really drew me in. After I went, got back from Telluride, I immediately started looking for tickets to Rocky Grass. Oh, yeah. And I've been to both of those festivals for ten, like 11 years straight now. Sweet. And those people are like my extended family. But I sensed that immediately. And I knew it was something that was accessible and that was welcoming. Hmm. But then I slowly started to kind of learn the etiquette around jamming. And, you know, Nick was really good at teaching me that. Bluegrass jams have like a certain etiquette of like, when you do what? Right. And uh, did you have any crazy moments where you got the stink eye? Oh, man. <laughs> yes. Plenty of times. <laughs> I've definitely jam busted before. Ah. <laughs> what what does jam busting mean? <laughs> for for those who aren't musicians man, out there. I don't know if I should have taken it down this road. But uh, jam busting can mean a few different things. I think a lot of people think of it as someone... In kind of like, if there's a bluegrass jam with people of multiple skill levels, somebody calls a tune that's maybe too hard. Yeah. That's one way. Sometimes the way you can jam bust is there's a really good jam going on. Yeah. <laughs> and you maybe have had too many drinks. Ah. And maybe you aren't quite as uh, experienced as that group of players. And I remember one night in particular, very fuzzily. (laughs) And these people were my friends. So it's not like I was like totally off base by wanting to sit down, but uh, I know I had had a lot of whiskey that day. It was Rocky grass. And uh, (laughs) they finished playing their song and, you know, everybody knew what time it was that I had had too much to drink. You know, I came stumbling in and, I remember two things. One was waiting for the song to end. You know, I was so I was polite in that respect, right? I sure. just sat down and didn't start playing. But then I said, uh, "You guys want to learn a song I wrote?" <laughs> <laughs> and I leaned over to pull my mandolin out of my case, and by the time I sat up, everybody was gone. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I'm still friends with all of them. I mean, it was it was one of those moments. It was like 4, 4.30 in the morning. Everybody was already ready to go to bed. Oh, yeah. And like I jam busted, but I was like the dude that came in and it was the right time to end that jam anyway. So oh, man. I don't feel too bad about it. It was very funny, though, looking back. Yeah. A lot of people have been that dude or dudette. For or, sure. Or whomever at, at various points. And uh, maybe that's important to remember when someone else yeah. just doesn't know any better sure. the, in that moment that we should be nice to them. Cause maybe we're going to see him pretty soon. It'll be even more awesome. Yeah. I think of it as just good manners, you know? Oh yeah. Just like, listen before you pull your instrument out, like see where things are at. <laughs> and like, you know, yeah. think about actually listen to the music that's being played and, mm-hmm. and think about if you get in there, is, are you going to make it better? Right. In a lot of those scenarios, in a lot of scenarios, it doesn't matter. It's a public jam. It's beginners, everybody together 
But, you know, when you're around a festival and stuff. Rocky Grass in particular, yeah. some of the jams don't sound very different from what's on stage. Very true. But, but that's also one of the greatest things is that that quality of music that you can just walk into drunk with your mandolin. That's very true. I mean. It's part of what makes it great. It's part <laughs> any, of what makes anything it great. can happen. Yeah. With that situation. And there's also <laughs> scenarios where you'll have that moment where you get to pick with someone that, mm-hmm. you know, you, you know, you can really, really learn something from. That happens right. to me all the time. I mean, I'm not. I don't consider myself any sort of maestro of the mandolin by any means. You know, I use it as a tool to put songs forward and and be Mm -hmm. a singer. It's a tool to play in a bluegrass band. I I love playing the backbeat. I love playing, I love Mm -hmm. chopping with a bluegrass band. You know, I always, I still work on my leads and it's, it's important to me to sound good and play with good tone, but my outlook on what I do as a musician has certainly shifted lately. So can I say that musicality is more important to you than being the guy who can play the most notes the fastest. Absolutely. Yeah. And isn't it interesting that I think that's where the good songs come from and that's where the good records come from. And that's actually the kind of music that people really want to hear. Yeah. Melody. People get all caught up in trying to be the best, but maybe the best is being the best listener and the best songwriter. And that's different from like, how long have you practiced? Like you you came in like, mandolin nine years but your level of listening is higher than your technical skill when you're jumping in there so that's yeah i certainly hear things that i can't execute but (laughs) yeah but how do you kind of pick yourself up everyone's ditched you in that jam how do you pick yourself (laughs) like how do you get from that moment because a lot of people get kind of down in the dumps about that stuff yeah well how i you know recovered from that whole thing is you know once rocky grass was over i just went back i had a porch i lived in wash park Mm-hmm. We had this great house. And when I got that mandolin in 2010, I would go to work eight hours and I would come home, crack a beer. The back seat of my Jeep, I had a Jeep at the time. I always had my back seat full of camping gear and instruments. <laughs> so I kept the seat, the back seat of the Jeep on the front porch. <laughs> I would come home and I would practice mandolin for anywhere from four to seven hours, eight hours every night. I would, I would come home from work. I would get home at like four 30. I would forget to shower. I would forget to eat. Yeah. And I would just sit there and rip scales and learn tunes. I mean, that's super, night. a lot of practicing. It's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think, I think it's important to remember when we see these people who are so great that they have really put in the time. And every time I feel inadequate for one reason or another, it's like, Oh, well I could do that. If I put in the time, so I shouldn't sit around and feel bad. It's possible. In fact, that brings us to the river of suck. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) The river of suck. (laughs) That's what I'm talking about. Good old friend, the river of suck, is what gets us from here to there. Yeah. We're, <laughs> we're on one side on our comfort shore. Behind us is our comfort cave, and we can look with our rose-colored glasses <laughs> to the other side and see future versions of ourselves who can do the things we wish we could do now. But the problem is, in between, we've got all these whitewater rapids, rocks, and thought piranhas. Or... Minnows with big teeth. Or other kinds of fish. 
no teeth. I don't know. Fish. There's things in rivers. You know, there's sand. I cut my toe in a river once. Sliced my big toe wide open. Water snakes. Yeah. Oh, water snakes. All kinds of things. Gators. Gators. Those things with teeth, whatever they are in there, represent those negative thoughts that enter our heads, try to sabotage us and make us watch TV instead of practicing. Right. Or do something self-destructive. The river... Swimming across it is incremental. Yes. So each swim stroke gets you a little bit further, but maybe the rapids push you down and you get knocked down and you get water in your throat and you gargle and you're like, (laughs) and it's like hard. Yeah. And you have to keep trying even when it's really hard. You have to suck at something before you can be good at it. So I guess what I'm wondering, and this is kind of part of the USU thing is, Actually, it matters which river of suck you choose. Like, you chose, okay, I'm going to go down this river with the mandolin. And I'm going to really put in the time. Yeah. And I think for a lot of people, they're kind of floundering around trying to find the right river that's worth it for them to cross. Yeah. If you find something you're that passionate about, you can get swept up. I probably spent three years in that model of (laughs) going to a jam very infrequently. Yeah. And then spending weeks and weeks practicing something I heard hmm. and then going back. You know, I certainly don't have the time to practice eight hours a day anymore. With the, I've got a lot going on and, you know, I do different things now. Now I'm trying to get better at guitar. Now I'm trying to write songs for the next record. Right. And still progress, you know, on, my, on the instrument, the mandolin as well. It's been a journey, but it's been a very cool journey. And my river of suck i think has been yeah. has always been uh since i started in like kind of the bluegrass and folk world is just having a sense of belonging hmm. because i started to realize as i got more and more into it and learn more about you learn about folks that have been playing since you know they could walk mm-hmm. and then you hear them play and you realize like how much i don't want to say better but how much more proficient you know those folks are than your average person sitting around in a jam circle. And that can be intimidating. It can be very intimidating, especially when you start to play gigs. Right. You know, my first bluegrass band that I played in was called Ground Score Bluegrass. <laughs> yeah. You know, when I first started playing gigs and could barely even take a solo on a mandolin, it's like, you know, you're kind of taking, yeah. you're like, you're you're getting paid to learn in a way. Yeah. But you're also kind of taking gigs that, more experienced musicians potentially aren't going to take. Sure. So there's like this balance, but there's still this kind of like stigma around whether you should be performing or not, I think. Oh, yeah. You know, someone that's maybe spent their whole life sure, doing this stuff, walks into a brewery and here's me playing out of tune and not very much to offer on the mandolin, maybe. Well, that's the thought piranha yeah. of imposter syndrome. Yeah, exactly. Why why should I be here? Why am I the person holding this instrument in this place right now? This could go to somebody else who's better than me. Right. The way that you become that person on the other side of the river is by doing that. So I guess what I love about your story of learning is that you're always playing with other humans. Always. Still to this day. If you spend too much time by yourself practicing and not enough time playing with other people, that can increase the level of imposter syndrome, but also distance yourself from like, like what's really important. Yeah, and I guess my 
what do you call it? What's the, the my lifesaver? Like the throwing your life raft. My life raft that was thrown into the river. Oh yeah. My personal life raft was my voice. Oh cool. Because I knew that I could sing at a high level Mm -hmm. and that I was just, you know, I had to just practice more on the instrument. So that's what kept me afloat. And then obviously we grew as a band. Mm -hmm. We played a lot over, I think the four years that we were together and we all got better and we played some fun gigs in that group. You know, I just got to a point, we were playing like covers. Sure. I had started to write after Rocky Grass Academy one year. Nice. And an experience I had with Peter Rowan being the teacher that was pretty mind-blowing and awesome. Oh, yeah. I realized that I wanted to start writing more. So then we, we, we installed a few songs and played for probably another year after that. And then I just, I got ambitious and I wanted to start like a band that was based around uh, original music. And I just knew that I wanted a little bit more than like playing at the bar and, sure, um, you know, and. <laughs> playing other people's songs all the time. Right. Is that what became the Lonesome Days? That was what became the Lonesome Days. Yeah. Dang. Cool. Yeah. Those four years with Ground Score, and I, I couldn't replace I, I mean, I really I learned how to play in an ensemble in those four years. Yeah. And I learned so much and really love singing and playing with those friends to this day. We still get together. But the Lonesome Days was like my personal passion project cool i decided to start that band uh in 2015 i was so inspired by watching my good friends trout steak revival win the telluride band contest nice and i was camped with them and we were hanging out and i was like i want to do that (laughs) and so yeah i mean i was like i'm gonna start a band so cool so lonesome days you've got a record i think we've got a record we're starting to mess around with having another one. We've got the material. We just need to get it right and make some decisions as far as where we'll record it and who we'll produce and those types of things. Cool. I want to go back for a second. You said something I think only an electrician would say is you said, and we started installing new songs. Oh, yeah. In the band. Yeah. I mean, I've never heard anyone say that. That's how I refer to it. It's like, it's an install, you know, because, well, especially when <laughs> when I bring it, because my songs come in to the room very raw. Mm-hmm. It's like a, it's it's like a bunch of words on paper that I'm, I'm not, but I'm not tied to any sort of arrangement usually. I've gotten better in the last few years about writing melodies and things. But in the beginning, I was just coming with ideas, and uh, we would kind of craft the songs together. Cool. A lot of people are protective of their songs, and they don't want people to change them. So how do you deal with that criticism? Or or it's maybe maybe if you're right, with the right people, it's not so much criticism. If you're in the right mindset about it, it's collaboration. I am really attached to my songs, but I don't have necessarily attachments to the arrangements. Right. Um, I have bandmates that have really good ideas musically and arrangement wise. I trust them. And that's yeah. just come with that's just come with time. Totally. Lyrically, I th- I feel like I get a little bit more defensive than ah. I do arrangement wise. You know, cuz oftentimes I lean on my bandmates for chord ideas oh, yeah. or like substitutions or if we do anything cool like that, 
that's going to generally come elsewhere from the band. I'm, I bring kind of raw materials. As I've gotten farther along, though, I have more of a mental picture of what I want it to be when it's done. So cool. that's grown as I've gotten more experience. So, the U.S.D. U. Yeah. I'm working towards trying to find that U.S.D. U. Uh, actively. I feel like I always have been, to an extent, specifically with my health. Ah, health. I'm a large man, <laughs> and I haven't always taken very good care of myself. I got in a car accident, actually. I was oh, no. hit, hit by a drunk driver. Ooh. Ended up at this really cool place where they take care of you. They have a neurologist. They have a chiropractor. But they also have a therapist and a nutritionist. So... I'm kind of in the river of suck right now as far as that goes because it's been a long time since I've like paid attention to anything regarding like what I put in my body. Oh yeah. Lots of bad food. Fast food. I love French fries, burgers, it's, it's fried delicious. chicken, fried chicken. Oh man. I moved uh within yeah. 3 quarters of a mile of a fried chicken spot that I just love and uh that's kind of been my most recent river of suck is just trying to figure out how to sustainably take care of myself and not go on some fad diet or you know not um hey kitty capo's on the cat diet he yeah. eats cat food he eats cat food it's... but <laughs> but it's more of a whole experience yeah. than that because there's some you know there's some stuff there's a reason why i don't i've never like wanted to take that great a care of myself and I'm trying to get to the bottom of that, too, with some therapy. So that's kind of my river these days, is just trying to na navigate getting to the USU by having some standards for what I put into my body. Yeah, your most base <laughs> instinct is not always the right choice. No, no. <laughs> my most base instinct is cheeseburgers. 90% of the time. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. <laughs> I love cheeseburgers. I feel, yeah, like, that's I feel like creatively there's kind of a block there, energy-wise. and In terms of your music with, yeah. with like your health? Absolutely. You mean body and mind are connected? <laughs> yeah. I'm starting to notice that because I've been extremely focused on like gut health and stuff and trying to get my, oh, yeah. my levels right on all that stuff. And I feel a thousand times better and I felt much more creative. I have a lot more energy to do more things, to do all the stuff that I try to do. Cool. Between working and playing gigs and writing and running a band and starting a solo career, which I've really gotten serious about in the last uh, year plus. Johnny Miller solo. Tell us about that. I don't know if you know this, but there's more than one John Miller in oh. the country. Uh-oh. So I actually had no to do... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to do a name change. Uh, oh. So my stage, my stage name that I've created for my solo project is J. Robert Miller. J. Robert Miller. I used the Google machine to make sure that there was nobody else performing under that name. That's a good idea. So uh, I recorded a EP with uh, Dango Rose. Cool. And um, Evan Reeves over there at Elephant Collective Studios in Boulder. It was kind of an experiment to see what my solo sound would actually be. Who are you? Who am I? Yeah. So that's different from being in a band that's like a band. Oh. Right, exactly. Who are you? And especially in a bluegrass band, because in a bluegrass band, you have this genre that you want to stay in some sort of the realm of, right? Mm -hmm. 
Um, I mean, not necessarily every man, but I've always loved the traditional side of bluegrass, the traditional sound. Sure. And it's a big part of what we do in the Lonesome Days. But this one is me. And I'm in this, I was in the studio with some songs that I had written and ac- actively trying to figure out what to do with them, you know. It'll be releasing in 2020, and uh, I have a lot of great players on there. So it was very cool to collaborate with a lot of people and bring the songs to life. The progression from being the dude hiding in the corner to the guy even th- making a record with his name on the front of the album, yeah, and and performing <laughs> and doing really cool stuff. Like yeah. I've had a lot of cool experiences, and I wanted to take people from the community that I'd shared these really cool experiences with them and make something that was a hundred percent mine. You know, where I was the driving force. I hadn't had that experience before. Cool. So getting all those awesome players in, but it's a it was a total passion project. I didn't do a Kickstarter. I got some help from my great friends at Stem Ciders. Probably the only people that have supported me more than Stem is like my bandmates and my parents. Yeah. You know, as far wow. as the music thing. They they have my back, I have their back, and it's a family thing. Cool. You know? I, I've invested a lot of hours and a lot of my own cash into that project. People are going to hear me with like a drum set and a yeah. pedal steel and that ain't no part of el- nothing. electric bass. It ain't no part of nothing, but it's, <laughs> it's really fun as a singer to have a cool electric band behind you oh, as yeah. well. There's also some bluegrass on there, but the EP is, is really me searching for what, like, who is this J Robert Miller character I'm creating and what <laughs> kind of music is he going to make, you know? dig into that for a second yeah who sure. is this character that is you it's like an idealized version of of you it's not just you it's like the super you doing a branding change i have a very common name john miller it's john like Matt. the most anglo name you could possibly have right like <laughs> sure it's, it's like steve you know steve bob steve bob <laughs> steve bob smith right <laughs> yeah. it's like uh trying to spread your sound around you have to have a name that distinguishes you sure there's nothing wrong with my name my name is fine mm-hmm. like i said is there's nothing like that crazy about creating a stage name so i thought really hard about it and i was thinking about you know should i have a a band name for just me oh yeah but then that kind of seemed really weird too i didn't quite know what to do so i went with jay robert because robert is my grandfather's name my mother's dad oh cool and he's a farmer who lives in ohio Solid man, very hard worker and awesome, awesome grandpa. And man, I think he's got like 50 or 60 some grandchildren and great grandchildren at this point. Just like a family man, hardworking Midwestern dude. And so the reason I finally made the decision to go with Jay Robert was because Robert's always been my middle name. And I wanted to kind of honor my grandfather with uh, by using his name on stage. It's where you came from. Right. It's where I came from. And um, it doesn't make it any less weird because I've never gone by Robert. The only time I hear the Robert in my name is like when my mom's mad at me. 
Jonathan Robert Miller. Jonathan Robert. Oh, yeah. But anyhow, it's a very bizarre thing because you, in a way, are creating this character, this person that... Yeah. In this case, I was creating this name that I want to try and live up to. Right. Wow. Right. It's this name... That's the you on the other side. Right. Because Johnny Miller, that, that name can get lost, I think. I mean, it's got a ring to it, right? It's like this... Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, Johnny Miller. And people know me as that. So it was a really weird choice. But I just felt like if I wanted people to be able to find me, yeah, that I, it had to be distinguishable. Sure. But I, I chose that name also. There's just something about the three names. Mm-hmm. You know, like oh, yeah. Gregory Allen Isaacoff. Sure. There's Jay Cobb Anderson. Yeah. I mean, just go up and down the list. Stevie Ray Vaughn. Stevie Ray Vaughn. Right. So I was thinking about it and I was like, you know, Johnny Miller can play a lot of places. But, you know, Jay Robert Miller could probably play, like, at Carnegie Hall. There you go. Jay Robert Miller could play at other fancy places, uh, you know? Right. I, Radio I, City. Sure. You know? What qualities of your character do you think get exaggerated in Jay Robert Miller? You know, I don't think I've created that character. Johnny Miller, mm-hmm. the character who's the front man for the Lonesome Days. Right. Who, you know, started out in the Bluegrass Jams and has you know worked the last 10 years to become a performer in the Colorado bluegrass scene that character is like created right that's me that's the dude you're hanging out with right now it's the guy that you know me to be it's the guy i saw at 1:30 in the morning strolling into the telluride campground jamming scene yeah absolutely that's uh, <laughs> that's me <laughs> but um i think that's all going to kind of change with the music you know i was in the studio for basically like 8 months wow you know, I was going. I was working during the day, going to the studio at night, working until eleven thirty, getting up at you know five fifteen, five thirty in the morning <sighs> to go to work, and then on the weekends playing gigs. So I think the music will direct what the solo project becomes and what that persona is. You're still discovering. I'm still discovering, and you know it's interesting because I was, I was talking about like kind of these changes I'm making health wise and like just sure. trying to be more conscious. I feel like that character, I'm hoping, this is all kind of part of this plan I have for this whole thing, is that I hope that as I change and grow through slowly learning how to like take better care of myself uh, physically and mentally, like yeah. through therapy and stuff like that, you know, just getting through some of these uh, mental and emotional blocks that I have set up that are keeping me from being the guy that I want Johnny Miller and Jay Robert Miller to be, which is a better human being and a better musician. Some of the baggage that I carry around and some of the lack of self-respect that I've shown my body over the years. Mm. You know, I'm a smoker and I drink and I party and, you know, <laughs> like I do a lot of things that aren't respectful of my body. I mean, I have willpower in a lot of things. There's only a couple things I don't have willpower in in the past. Yeah. One of them is my diet. And the other one is the SIGs. Yeah. Like, I really love my SIGs. So, I'm not saying that by the time this podcast comes out, I will have quit smoking SIGs. But the goal is start with the diet. Mm-hmm. Maybe start sneaking in some exercise. Right. Because um, it's not realistic to do all of it at once. And I've done no, that before, and it doesn't last long for me. Yeah, that seems to happen. I'm hoping that if I really take my time, and I really create just like a slow trajectory and really make this lifestyle into a habit 
that the me is me mm-hmm. will step into the light. Yeah. You know, as Johnny Miller, he <laughs> likes cheeseburgers and video games, you know? Yeah. But J. Robert Miller. Yeah, man. He that's... doesn't smoke. And maybe, you know, who knows? Maybe that's what, I, you know, brainstorm, boom, mind blown. Maybe wow. that's what needs to happen. <laughs> maybe the character I create is this like super dapper, super healthy man that is J. Robert Miller. There you go. Who uh, wears <laughs> uh, wears suits and uh, hats like he's a 20s uh, lounge singer, 1920s lounge singer. Yeah. You get to create your future. You can be that person. And maybe that's where all this change is coming from. You know, I'm yeah. doing a branding change and a stage name change. Maybe that's where this is coming from. I'm just creating who J. Robert Miller is. But um, that's it. That's I think that's, that's what's the, happening. That's the river of suck. That's, that's the river of here. suck. let's listen to a song eh okay cool we're gonna play a song off the ep called fuel it's a single it seems like a sad song but it's not really it's a song of being somewhere that someone you care about is not but you're experiencing something really cool and you're really eager to get back and try to Hmm. share that experience with the person that you miss oh so there's some romance to it and it's got uh Dango Rose playing bass and Charlie Rose on the pedal steel and Darren Garvey playing the drums. Epic. Three, two, one. Bladow.
plastic smiles Now I hope you don't mind if I stay for a while Some of the people who are awesome at one thing are struggling at something else. Sure. Or they struggled at the thing that they're awesome at previously, but that's not what they show to the world. So it seems like it's like magic. I still absolutely struggle with everything that I do. Yeah. Uh, I am by no means a virtuoso. <laughs> the only time I'm comfortable is when I'm singing. That's the only time. Nice. Writing songs, maybe, but a good anecdote. When I was in the middle of the River of Suck. Yeah. Is we went out on tour with Yonder Mountain String Band, the Lonesome Days did in 2018. Sweet. In October. It was great. It was so cool. We became close friends with those guys. Yeah. Guys and gal. Yeah. Allie is mm -hmm. fantastic. You know, Adam's become a, a good friend and Ben and Jake Jolliffe as well. But the first time I stood on stage next to, <laughs> to Jake Jolliffe and had to play a mandolin solo <laughs> was one of the most intimidating situations i've ever been in as a musician right the cool thing was is we we were kind of out for a couple of weeks and music is very special in a way that like the more you play with someone the more comfortable you get yeah but also the more you just hang out even if you're not playing and then you go to play together again yeah i was just really proud by the end of the tour i wasn't like terrified to just take a break next to him yeah you know? but but love that guy he's yeah a good dude and a great player and if he ever listens to this, I almost peed my pants the first time I took a mandolin solo. But sometimes the adrenaline takes over. I think in that circum oh, yeah. that in circumstance, huh. I was just really thrilled. I was right. He's yeah. one of my favorite players, and Yonder Mountain in general is such a legendary band. And I was still settling into the fact that we were actually there. Yeah. Right. And so the <laughs> adrenaline just hit me, and. Uh, <laughs> I went down the spiral for sure. But the cool thing is when you're in that situation, I remember specifically looking over at Jake and uh, Dave. They both just smiled real big because, I mean, they knew what time was. They knew I was yeah. like jacked up and like <laughs> they're just so pro that like the whole band just kind of like musically lifts you up sure. at that point. And then it was time to sing again. And then I felt fine. You oh, know yeah. What I mean, nice. That's probably my mandolin horror story right there is. <laughs> Same time, some of the most special moments can be the most terrifying. The first time Joy, my wife, and I got hired to play with Daryl Anger in The Furies with Emmy Phelps yeah. was at Big Sky, Big Grass, the end of the night, everyone who played pick on stage, super jam, with Sam Bush was the headlining act of the night. And yeah, I had it's amazing. developed a, a raging fever. Oh. And I was like in bed under like four blankets, shivering. <laughs> and Joy calls me like, it's time for the super jam. And I'm like, I can't 
do it. She's like, you're really going to regret not doing it. Dragged my sorry self out of bed. Wow. I couldn't walk. I couldn't exist. I couldn't like talk to people. And I'm like looking around. It's like Stuart Duncan and like (laughs) (laughs) heavy, heavy, amazing people. Yeah. And I just feel so bad. Not necessarily my music, but just like my whole existence is like cloudy. Right. And I can't focus. Whatever happened, the sound guy was like on my side and I was coming through loud in the monitors. I was coming through oh, loud man. in the audience. In that situation, that's that's a lucky. You were lucky. I was were I got lucky. lucky. Yeah. And I took a really good solo, I think. And I got through it. I didn't fall off the stage. I didn't throw up. And I got right. through it. I got off the stage and I was like, I'm so glad I did that, even though it sucked because I feel bad. I could have been in bed feeling yeah. sorry for myself, but instead I got, I got up in front of people. And you had the lo- most legendary moment. Yeah. It's so. interesting that <laughs> you probably don't remember what you, I mean, you might probably remember the song, but yeah, but you have no idea like what you played, but you remember how, what you played made you feel. Yeah. I think it was three little birds actually. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. Classic Sam Bush encore. That's right. There. right. Yeah. Joy says it's the best solo that she's heard me play. That's incredible. Sam pointed at me and I went. That's funny. And it was the time and like I didn't think anything about it. Music has a way of coming out of you in the best way when you're broken down like that. Yeah. I remember that same tour with Yonder. We had a date in Milwaukee where we were all just like rag. Yeah, we were ragged. Everybody <laughs> was tired. I remember when we played i think we were just so deflated and tired like energetically like we were just so tired that we were relaxed in a way yeah that you're not like trying right so hard you're not worried about it that you play the music comes out with this purity yeah to it that when you're completely zoned in and hyper anxious about it yeah it oftentimes doesn't happen meditate i meditate infrequently but i do take moments and focus on the fact that i am a breathing living organism whoa the people i know know that i am high strung like my bandmates know like what it's like when i'm wound up but it's another part of this process that i'm trying to grow towards is i feel like if i can get control of my emotions but still have ambition you know, mm-hmm. ambition can be a dirty word because it can make you crazy. And it has made me crazy because I've always felt that I haven't been in this music long enough t- that I don't have any time yeah, to do anything. That I, Everything I want to accomplish has to happen now. Wow. And that can get ugly when you get that way. So I've been working really hard in the last year. And honestly, it's been like a three-year process. But number one... To accept myself musically, like where I live today. Yeah. Whether it's vocals, guitar, mandolin, songwriting, any of that stuff. Mm -hmm. I have resources to help me get better at anything that I want to do. Yeah. And I also have the time 
and facility to practice and get better at everything that I do. I've just come to realize that everything that I want to achieve is right in front of me, but it sounds so stupid and cliche, but (laughs) nobody is going to do anything for you. Yeah. It's so much is just effort. Mm -hmm. The test of your passion is the test of your willpower. Yeah. If you want to do a litmus test for how passionate you are about something, is it all you think about? Is it all that you want to do? Is it, it has to be near an obsession. And I think I live in that world, but I'm trying to find the balance, right? I'm trying to find the place where I can have really cool, high goals Yeah, that may be a little bit farther than I can achieve so that I can get farther along. Sure. Oh, yeah. But at the same time, don't put expectations on other people about what my personal goals are. Yeah. Yeah. The goals have to align and that's a different thing when that's <laughs> when everybody starts working together. I'm not saying that I don't have people helping or I'm not working together with anyone. You can get so locked in on where you want to get that you kind of forget where you are. Right. And then And how far you've come. Right, exactly. Forgetting <laughs> forgetting how far you've come and just breathing. Yeah. For me it's just like being aware of my breath and realizing that Every individual that I'm like on this ride with, they have their own vision of their own life and where they want to be and where they want their career to go Yeah, and how they want to get there and how much they're willing to sacrifice to get to that spot. Hmm. Like I haven't walked away from everything yet. I'm still working a job so that I can have money and, and grinding at this thing and doing it all. And I'm, I think that I want to give it all up and really go for it Yeah, at 40 years old. You know what I mean? (laughs) Which sounds like a not, not a very smart thing, but I had to learn and I'm still learning that you can't hold other people accountable for what your personal goals are. Sure. You just push towards what you want. And it's not like you have to say you don't need those people in your life or whatever, because everybody that's you're around is like pushing you towards that in a way. Mm -hmm. But the seasons that you have with those people around you will change. And then you're going to eventually slowly start finding yourself around people that have similar goals as you do, you know? Well, that's super cool. And now I feel better about my own journey. Really? Yeah. I think your journey is awesome. Well, (laughs) thanks man. (laughs) You know, you can suffer a lot thinking about something really deeply and just like hold it, hold it in. But the second you start communicating better and being more honest with yourself and the people, you know, that's, that's the growth. Take 15 seconds and just breathe and think about it. You know, cool. I have breath. I am alive. I'm right here. Ah, I can keep going. (laughs) Johnny Miller meets J. Robert Miller. <laughs> J. Robzel. Johnny Miller versus J. Robert Miller. Something. The paradox. The J. Rob paradox. <laughs>
the J-Rock. Who am I? Who am I? And what do I want to do? And how did I get here? And I don't deserve this. <laughs> cool. So how do we find your music online and come to your shows? First of all, follow The Lonesome Days. Instagram, Facebook. At, at The Lonesome Days on Instagram. We're on Facebook, The Lonesome Days. and LonesomeDays.com. LonesomeDays.com. And then uh, buy the record, listen to it. Yeah, check out the record. Come see us play, and come say hi. And if you heard about us from listening to this podcast, I'd love to hear about that. Cool. I'm sure Andy would too. Yeah. As far as the solo project, I'm looking to release in spring of 2020. The best way to follow that progress is to look me up, J Robert Miller on Facebook and at J Robert Miller on Instagram. And you can keep an eye on the progress. Uh, we're getting real close. Yeah, I'll be on Spotify and all that other great stuff, too. Thank you yeah. for being here. Yeah, so happy You're- to be here, man. <laughs> <laughs> really, it's an honor. You've had a lot of really amazing guests. It really is an honor to be included in that list of people, and I appreciate you Yeah, reaching out, man. Absolutely. No one ever said swimming the River of Suck would be easy but you don't have to do it alone. So we want to thank you for joining us on this journey. If you want to support the River of Suck podcast, please join the River of Suck swim team for just $1 a month. Do it. You'll get instant access to the bonus content for this episode, which features the extended interview, the complete instrumental jams from our recording session, and a behind-the-scenes Capo the Cat interruption blooper reel. This episode has been brought to you by my patrons on the River of Suck swim team. You're the best. You rule. Love you all. Thank you for your support. My name is Andy Reiner. I'm Johnny Miller. Till next time, keep Keep swimming. swimming.